Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. How many have ever been somewhere, maybe you're taking a class, where you have to introduce yourself at the very beginning and you have to tell them a little bit about yourself? How many have ever been in an environment like that? Okay, my name is uh, Rick and uh, I live in Vallejo and you know I do this or I do that. And sometimes that can be uncomfortable, right? But the point of that is so that people know who you are. Because when you come around other people, you have no idea who that person is next to you. Say it's in a group, say it's in your CPR class, if you've ever done that, you, you have to uh, introduce yourself. Maybe it's in a business meeting, you have to introduce yourself. And this morning, I want to talk to you about a certain part of the Bible found in Matthew, Matthew chapter 16. And if you have your Bible this morning, you can turn there or else it's on, written on your handout. You notice I want to make sure you get that word in you, amen? Matthew chapter 16. And there's a, there's a place in Scripture where the Lord challenged His disciples and asked them this one profound question. He asked them, whom do you say, who do you say that I am? And I've titled this sermon this morning, Who Do You Say That I Am? Ain't Nothing Like the Real Thing. Amen? Ain't Nothing Like the Real Thing. And what we're going to talk about this morning is the person known as Jesus Christ. He is, as the scripture that we read earlier, the, the scripture verse said, He is the way, the truth, and the life, John 14 and 6. It didn't say he is a way, it didn't say he is a truth, or, is he, or he is a life. It said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? Yes. That he's not one of 32 ways, 52 ways, 100 ways, but he is the way. Amen. And one of the great uh, things in our life, in our lifetime here, you've met people that uh, would tell you who they think Jesus is. In fact, some of, uh, some of your friends maybe, or even relatives would tell you, oh yes, Jesus, he was a good man. How many have ever heard that? He was a good man. Yet, there's even people that will deny that Jesus even existed. I mean, I don't even have time for people like that. Jesus is a historical figure found in historical writings from the books of Josephus, which are historical books, not to mention the Bible. But there's so much history and evidence that Jesus existed. So to, to say that he didn't even exist, I don't have time for that. But there will be people that will come to you and say, well, yes, he was a good man. He was a good leader. He was a good teacher. He was a prophet, maybe. He could have been a prophet. But that's when it starts to narrow. You narrow down the scope of people who will begin to say who he truly was as defined by the scriptures the way, the truth, and the life. How many have seen that to be true? That there are many people, especially in this part of the world that we live in, the liberal Bay Area, amen? We, we have so many viewpoints. There's so many viewpoints on, on who Jesus is. In fact, even certain religions today teach that Jesus was just an angel, that he was Michael the Archangel, and nothing more than that. And while those are all incorrect statements, Today, I want to talk to you about what Jesus said. Who do you say that I am ain't nothing like the real thing. Now, I want to set this text up because, again, Jesus was more than a man. How many know that this morning? He was more than a man. 
There have been many good teachers, many good prophets throughout the years, but Jesus was above and beyond that. Amen? Muhammad was a prophet. We know that. Buddha was a prophet. We know that in his, in his uh, religion. But Jesus was more than that. Amen? Amen? There was this place when I went to Israel. And I don't know if we have this picture. But we went, uh, when I went four years ago to Israel, the background here that you see this picture, this is in the area called Caesarea Philippi, where this text that we're going to read takes place. So the significance of this is, this is where the Jordan River begins to flow from, from here. This is a big hillside, and it's a beautiful area right up to this wall, but back in the day, in Jesus' time, this was known as Paneus, the city of Paneus. And it was dedicated to the god, the Pan god, the Greeks mythology, they worshiped this god named Pan. And at this time, all those little nooks in there, those little cricks in, in the wall there, they put idols in there. They put their, their gods in there, and they would come to worship this, these gods in here. So this was a pagan society at this, at this time. To the, to the left of that, there was a big, and I have other pictures which I didn't capture, but they have a, a cave, and then waters would come out of there. That was supposed to be the gates of hell. When we read this scripture, recognize that the gates of hell came out from that. And actually it was water that would stream out. So this is what they believe, this, this society. And here Jesus, the Bible says, about 40 miles north of Jerusalem, where this place is located, he took his disciples and he's taking them to this place. Of all places, he's taking them to this place. So now as we read Matthew chapter 16, verses 19, why don't you stand with me this morning and let's read that. If you can stand this morning, starting in verse 13, the word says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the, the Son of Man is? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And verse 17, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or Hades, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. God, your word gives us so much insight into not only who you were, but what you would want us to, to understand. So I pray this morning, speak to us as we open our hearts to receive your word. Anoint this precious message this morning. Anoint it from my lips to the hearers, ears, Lord, this morning. And we thank you for your word that endures forever. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. So you can see right here what's going on. This crazy dynamic. The Lord is taking them to this place. 
filled with God. So there were in those little nooks and crannies different gods in there. The big one, there was a big one that was reserved for the god Pan. I'm not talking about Peter Pan, okay? We're talking about the god Pan. And so Jesus is standing there. The disciples know about this place, the gates of hell, because it's a physical place there. They believed in, that the demons would return to this place every year during winter. They would return there. And, and from that mouth, that cave, they would gush out. And so Jesus is here asking the disciples at this point, who do you say that I am? Okay, with this backdrop. See, the Lord will test you on that. He'll ask you in the middle of something that you don't even expect because he wants you to look at everything around you. Well, and they began to answer, well, some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're Jeremiah. And Jesus knew they were on the right track, but he's more than a prophet. How many know that this morning? He's more than a prophet. And our question number one this morning for you is, how we answer this question this morning, how we answer that will have a profound implication in this life and in your eternity. In this life and in your eternity. How you answer that question. You see, this is a foundational question. It's a foundational cornerstone of the Christian faith and of your faith. Amen? Let me read a scripture to you found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11. It says this, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ has to be the foundation of your faith. If your foundation is not found in Jesus Christ, your whole faith is baseless. It's, it's useless. It will fall. It will tumble. But when it's founded on Jesus Christ, it remains solid. How many know that this morning? Amen. Amen? And here, Jesus recognized the need prior to his death. See, this is heading up towards Palm Sunday. This, this story here. He's teaching them. He wants to make sure I've walked with these 12 disciples for, for three years. And I want to make sure that they get it. That they understand who I am. Can you understand that from Jesus' perspective? He wanted to make sure that each of the 12 disciples understood without a shadow of a doubt who he was. And he wanted to clarify that because Jesus knew the time was short. Jesus knew he would soon be entering into Gethsemane. Jesus knew before that he'd be entering into, into a place, a garden to pray. Where the Bible says he prayed tears as of blood. And here he was clarifying once and for all who he was. And that was our foundation. He is our foundation. Look at your neighbor and tell him, he's my foundation. Amen. Jesus knew that even after walking with, for three years, and you would think that the disciples, after walking for three years with him, day by day, going into the Sea of Galilee, seeing miracle after miracle after miracle, because the Bible says Jesus healed all those that he prayed for. The Bible says that. He did amazing works and miracles, right? Yeah. And you would think that they would understand that, but he wanted to make sure. Amen? And, and, and then... The reason, I, I believe one of the reasons is he, he took them here because that whole society was filled with idols at that time. Pagan worship was part of the daily world that they lived in. And he wanted to make sure that they didn't have a view that Jesus was like one of these pagan idols. Jesus was more than that. Amen? Yeah. Now here's the second reason 
The second reason the question of Jesus, who do you say that I am, is crucial is because of the fact that not every Jesus, not every Jesus that you hear presented is the real thing. Okay, that's good. I know James liked that. Yeah, he liked that. You know, there's truth to that. Ain't nothing like the real thing, the real Jesus, amen? Because I, if, if, you, if you're like me, you hear of people, we've all heard stories going way back of so-and-so that claims to be Jesus. Remember, we remember, uh, uh, what was his name, Jim Jones. Claimed to be Jesus. He really claimed to be Jesus. David Koresh, later another person in Waco, Texas, claimed to be Jesus. And all these people, these cult leaders, led their disciples to death. And there's people nowadays, today, that will come to you and say, oh yes, I'm Jesus. In fact, I know somebody, I know somebody that goes to Lake County and believes this particular man is Jesus, reincarnated. And he, they believe that that person is Jesus. Well, be careful who you're listening to. Amen. Because there ain't nothing like the real thing. And that's the Jesus of the Bible. Amen? Amen. Yes. Jesus of the Bible. Everybody say the real Jesus. The real Jesus. That's who we need to be worshiping. The real Jesus. We do not have time to be wasting on some fake Jesus some make-believe mythology, some cult. And if you're a student of the Word, if, any, if you, any of you here have ever read the Word of God, you'll know when something just don't feel right. Something's not right about that. And, and you know, that, that's what they say about bank tellers, right? About how they handle money. Is that the minute they, they, they feel counterfeit money, it feels different. Something's not right about that. What I understand is they don't teach them and show them what counterfeit money looks like necessarily. They show them what the real thing looks like. Because when you're around the real thing, the minute something counterfeit shows up, you're going, wait a minute, something's off about it. It just don't feel right. They're, the color's slightly off. There's something wrong with it. And when something fake comes to your attention, something that you hear on the radio, on TV, that just doesn't sound right, well, turn that channel. Don't waste your time listening to that. Don't waste your time. Get back in the Word and know that this is the real Jesus. This is where you're going to find the real deal. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, the reason we need to know the real Jesus is because there's many out there that claim to be Jesus, as we're saying, as, as I pointed out. Um, there, there's, there's also, for you and I, there's the Jesus, and this is the Jesus we got to be careful with. The Jesus that condones anything and everything, right? There's that Jesus. Because there's people that believe in that Jesus. That, oh, that's all right. Jesus loves you. It's all right. You can go ahead and sin all you want. Because my Jesus loves you and would never condemn you and this and that. There's that Jesus you got to be careful of. There's the Jesus that people believe was just a good man. Maybe, maybe even a prophet. But he was a good man. He had good teachings. How many have ever heard that? Yeah, we all hear that, unfortunately, especially here in the liberal Bay Area. There's a Jesus that will bail you out when you're in trouble. That moment when you get down your knee and say, Lord, you got to help me. But the other 364 days of the year, you never bothered to say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I need you. I desire you. But Lord, 
when I'm hurting, when I need you to bail me out, I'm on my knees. There's that Jesus. That, that's Santa Claus Jesus, you know. And, and I, don't, I don't know about you, but I don't believe in Santa Claus Jesus. There's people that put their faith in a Santa Claus Jesus. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Amen. Amen. He's not the Jesus of the Bible. So we, here today, still have to be careful with what Jesus we're worshiping. Amen? Amen. Here's, the, here's the point. If Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Amen? If Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So you have to be careful and making sure he is the Lord of your life, completely and wholly. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 4 says this. It says, For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. It's, it's saying that we'll listen to it and we'll, we'll entertain those things. It sounds good. It must be right because it, they, they quoted a scripture. But just because they quoted a scripture and just because they had a good service doesn't mean it's the real Jesus. Amen? The real Jesus is backed here. It's right here. You'll find him in here, in the pages of Scripture. Now, you may be thinking, well, yeah, I get that. Uh, when I first became a believer, I settled that question. I know who Jesus is. He's not just a good man. He's not just a prophet. But he is God. He is King of Kings, the Bible describes him, and Lord of Lords. And, and you're saying, Pastor Rick, I get that, and I recognize him as that. Well, that may be fine for right now, but there may be another time coming up that you'll be faced with that question and may have to make a decision. For example, Peter walked with Jesus. He's the one that told Jesus, Lord, you are the, the Messiah, the Son of God. What happened to him when Jesus was arrested to that same Peter? Where was that Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, when, when Peter was saying, oh, I don't know that man. He said that three different times, right? He denied them three different times. How about you? One of these days, someone may come up to you, and are you going to deny him? Are you going to say, oh, I don't know about that Jesus. I don't know who he is. If Peter could deny him, not once, not twice, but three times, what makes you think that you're strong enough that you would never do that? That you would never, ever forsake God and say, Oh, Lord, I could never turn my back on you. Be careful. Be careful. Because if, if Peter did that, if he fell to that, and the other disciples, I don't see any other disciples standing up saying, That's my Jesus. Let him go. The Bible says that one of them was at the cross. That was John, the beloved. He was the only one at the cross. All the others deserted him. All the others that walked with him for three years. And saw miracle after miracle. They deserted him. I'm challenging you this morning. How strong is your faith this morning? Amen. Do you know in who you believe in? Do you know yeah. who he is? Amen? Yes. Again, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Amen. He has to be Lord of all. How we handle this question today, today will determine your eternity. I, you hear me say that all the time. How we handle Jesus today will determine our eternity. Why don't you settle it today? Settle it today if you haven't already. Settle it today. 
Jesus is going to be Lord of all. Yes. See, Jesus wants you to choose the real thing. The real thing. And the reason is because He loves you. He loves you. Our Heavenly Father sent His Son, His only Son, to die on a cross that you would have everlasting life. It's that simple. Amen? Now, when we say that Jesus is the real thing, you know what that really means is that He means more than anything to us. He means more than my wife, more than my children, more than my mom, more than my dad, more than my brothers, my sisters. That's what he means. More than my job, more than the car I drive, more than the house I have, more than the food truck I own. I mean, you fill in the blank. He means more than all that. Amen? Are you there? Yes. Is yes. Jesus truly Lord? Yes. Because sometimes, some days, I mean, you will, you will face, we all face loss. Every one of us do. We face loss. And if that person or that thing, that possession is so valuable that it just it destroys you and you're never the same again, well then, who was Lord of your life? Was it truly Jesus? Or was it that thing or that person? Amen? Now, again, we will all experience loss. I'm not trying to make light of that. But we all have to realize Jesus is in control. Jesus is the Lord of all. Amen? Yes. Jesus is the Lord of all. And He wants us, each of us to love Him with everything we have. Amen? And, and point number one here, the reason why He wants you to understand who He is is because Jesus Christ demands our love. He demands our allegiance to Him. How many people here are married? Just raise your hand if you're married. Okay, raise your hand. Okay. Now, now if you, I'm picking up the husbands right now. If you husbands were to pay attention to another female more so than your wife, that's probably not going to go very well, is it? I can promise you it's not going to go very well. So why would our Lord, our God, be any different if you're... Not giving him all the attention, but you're, you're giving it to something else. You fill in the blank, whatever that is. Don't you think he's going to be a little oh man, disappointed in you? Of course he is. He wants your attention. He wants your love. He desires it. In fact, the scripture in Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, I want to read to you. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37. Verse 37 says this. Jesus said this. Anyone... Put your name in there. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Wow. That's tough right there. That's strong language right there. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus is drawing a line in the sand right there. He's saying, if you love them more on that side than, than you love me, you can't, you can't be with me. You can't be with me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. See, Jesus wants your undivided attention. He wants your love. He wants you to be sold out. Everybody say sold out. Sold out. That means everything is given to him. Everything. All that you have. All of your emotions. All of your character. Everything defines you. It makes you. It, it, and that's what Jesus wants of you. Because what does Romans chapter 8 say? And those that were in there Wednesday night at the Bible study this past Wednesday heard that scripture. Romans chapter 8. And I'm just going to turn there real quick. It talks about God's love. Amen. Remember that scripture that we read? 
some of you are remembering that scripture right now. Exactly. And, and that's what I'm going to read right now. And it says the following. It says Romans chapter 8, uh, talking about those that love him. I'm going to start in verse uh, uh, 28. Just bear with me here. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, and those he predestined, and he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody can. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine or nakedness or hunger or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's the God that we worship. That's the God that cares for you. That's the God that says, come on, I want you to just give me your all because I got so much to give you. I got so much to give you. I got so much to give you. If you think you've seen just a touch of what Jesus can give you, wait till we get to the other side. Wait till we get to heaven. Wait till we walk on streets of gold. Amen? Wait till we walk on streets of gold. The pavement is gold. I mean, how good is it? Pavement is gold. That's how good it is. Amen. So, so don't take your gold with you. They're going to look at you. Why do you bring payment? Why do you bring payment? That's what they're going to say. Don't take your money with you. Because it's worthless up there. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ demands our supreme love. I love that. He demands our supreme love. And then our second point. We show Jesus the real thing when we worship him. And our second point is Jesus Christ demands worship. He demands worship. The very first thing, when, when he was born, the Bible says that, that the wise men came and what? They worshipped him. They worshipped him. When he was yet just a baby, they worshipped him. Throughout scripture in the New Testament, they fell and worshipped him. He allowed worship to take place. You see, Jesus was raised as a Jew, knew the law, knew what was taught, that only Almighty God received worship. Right? And every time they came to worship him, he never once said, no, don't worship me. Just worship the Father. He never said that. He allowed that to happen because he could receive 
our worship. Amen? Philippians chapter 2 and verses 10 and 11 say this. Philippians chapter 2, 10 and 11. That at the name of of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. That's a powerful scripture there. Jesus Christ demands our worship. In fact, it goes on to say, every knee should bow to him. Every knee. And, and those that didn't bow in this lifetime, there's coming a time, it's called the judgment, where every knee will bow. Um, you talk about uh, Jim Jones and David Koresh and, and Hitler and you name it. They will all get on a knee. The Bible says they will all get on a knee and they will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's part of the judgment. And then reserved eternity for them in a lake of fire. That's not my words. That's what the word of God says. Amen. So if you don't do it here on this earth, you will do it at some point. Amen. Jesus Christ wants you to acknowledge that he is Lord He loves you and He demands worship from you. Now worship, we we did that in two ways this morning. We came and we sang, we worshipped Him. Some with arms lifted up, clapping, some vocally, some just receiving that, meditating upon that. Others, uh, and then also we did it with with our giving. Giving is also a form of worship. And when we do that, we're worshiping the King of Kings, amen? Amen. We're worshiping Him. You know... uh, those are the two things that I want to make sure Foothill Christian American Canyon gets. That you recognize who this Jesus is. So who do you say that he is? Is he just a prophet? Is he just a teacher? No, he's more than that. The Bible says he's the Messiah, the son of the living God. The minute he said that, Peter received that revelation right there. He recognized he is divine. The word son of God means he is divine. He's divine. And, and he acknowledged he was more than just a man at that moment. And, and Jesus goes on to say, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Peter. But that came by the Spirit of God revealing that to you. Yeah. And it's because of that that we recognize that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen? Amen. That is who we worship. That is who we, we, we love with all of our hearts, with all of our strength. Amen? Amen. You know, as, as I close this morning... I'm just reminded, uh, how many remember this, this song, and maybe some of us uh, older people over 30 will remember this song, uh, it's called His Name is Wonderful, I believe we sang that here a few weeks ago, His Name is Wonderful, remember that song? And uh, I love that song because it describes the, the attributes of who Jesus is, uh, we're going to play that right now, there's a little clip of that, and then we're going to come and we're going to partake of communion together, but I just want to read it to you here first. Before we, we go into it, it says, His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful, Jesus, my Lord. He is the mighty King, master of everything. His name is wonderful, Jesus, my Lord. He's the great shepherd, the rock of all ages. Almighty God is He. Bow down before Him. Love and adore Him. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. All that scripture right there. That song is based out of scripture. And again, I want to invite everybody here this morning um, to partake up here. But also, let this be a time right now. And I I want to pray first before you come up. I want to pray and, and join me as you stand right now with me.
join me that if you haven't yet been giving Jesus everything, and I'm talking about your spirit, I'm talking about your heart, if it hasn't been there at that place where you've been giving them everything, won't you do that this morning, right now? Won't you do that as we come around here in a minute to partake of the Lord's Supper? But let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, that you would give us each a great desire, a greater desire to make you Lord of all. Because, Father, if you're not Lord of all, you're not Lord at all. And, Lord, I don't want to be caught short. I don't want to be caught lacking. I don't want to be caught uh, not giving my all to you in love, in worship of my time, my talents, my treasures. Father, you've blessed me so that I can be a blessing to others. And Lord, every single person here is blessed so that they can be a blessing to others as well. So I pray right now that you would just impress upon them through your Holy Spirit, Lord, impress upon them that God, that they need you that they need to desire you more and more, especially in this day and age that we live in, that we need to be equipped, that the Holy Spirit needs to empower us, Lord. Father, that we might experience your blessings, yes. your touch, that we might be led by the Spirit of God. And we pray that, Lord, in the name of Jesus, from the youngest to the oldest, for those children that are in the back, Lord, we pray that that, that desire would grow in them and that ultimately we would all be able to answer that question, Lord, of who do we say that Jesus is? We say that, Lord, you are the King of kings. Yes. You are the Lord of lords. You are wonderful. Thank you. you are the mighty King, master of everything, Lord. Wow. And Father, we thank you again that that's who you are. Yes, There's a song we sing here too as well. It says that you're a good, good Father. Yes. And Lord, that's who you are. And we know that. We recognize that. Lord, we pray that we would understand that even better in the days coming forward and, and throughout this year, especially during this Lenten season as we, as we uh, remember what you did on that cross. So, Father, we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.